We're in Proverbs chapter 10. If you, wanna, if you didn't get a set of hard notes on the way in, you want a hard copy, just raise your hand and somebody from Connections will find you. Keep your hand up until the, the, paper, the paper finds you, all right? While we're waiting on the notes, we'll intro Proverbs 10. We're shifting gears. We're in a, 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 a kind of a different section in the book of Proverbs from this chapter, chapter 10, verse 1. To chapter 20, verse 16, we're going to see the Proverbs of King Solomon. And these are general truths that are generally given in, in parallel. They're compared and, com- and contrasted couplets of truths, right? Two statements that stand alongside each other to teach a truth. And the truths that we're going to see in these Proverbs are understood in light of the comparison and contrast. These two things, these two statements set beside each other should give us insight into biblical truth. And Solomon covers many different topics. These are many different teachings. They're, they're really principles. Not every proverb, proverb is going to come to the believer as an absolute promise, okay? There are going to be exceptions to these rules, these principles, But these are principles for godly living, and if we get a hold of them, we're going to live blessed lives. And and so just keep that in the back of your mind as we walk through these different Proverbs. Um, Hopefully, we'll get through verse 12 tonight. What I want you to do as we go through, I want you to, from the Word of God, build out your prayer list. Okay, what am I talking about? I'll, I'll illustrate this in the first one. Uh, The first comparison is between a wise and a foolish son. Verse 1 says, The Proverbs of Solomon, A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is heaviness, the heaviness of his mother. And so with that, you can write down a wise guy, a wise child, that you want to pray God's protection over their heart and their life. In other words, they're being wise, they're heading the right direction. Uh, maybe it's a young man or a young woman that's, that, that, that man is, is, is using wisdom and they're making something of their life. And so you want to pray for God's blessing on that child, on that young adult. Does everybody have somebody in mind that just write it in the notes, right? Write it, in the, write it on your PDF or on your hard copy. Who's a wise child, uh, young adult? Who, who's using wisdom that we're going to pray for God's blessing over their life? Do you have that? That, that, that child, you know, if you're a parent and you think your kids are wise, you might have multiple names you could put right there. Okay, but then the foolish son. How many know a foolish child uh, that is heaviness to their parents? A foolish child that we want to pray that God opens their eyes, right, that, that, that would receive instruction and, and start walking in wisdom. We want to pray maybe for the arresting we got to arrest someone who is bent on the destruction of their life. And so just kind of put that name down in your notes because that's, how, that's who you want to pray for in light of this verse. A couple principles from verse 1. As a child, if you care about your parents, you're going to think before you act. You're going to think before you act. You know, if you're wise, you're going to make your parents glad. If you're foolish, that's going to give them heaviness of heart. And to say, well, I'm not, you know, what I do with my life, it's only my business. The only person that I'm hurting with the foolishness that I'm pursuing, the only person that I'm hurting is me. And that's just not true. That's a lie. 
Sophie, if you go stupid with your life, and you can't just say, well, it's my life, my decision, I can do what I want with it. If I hurt myself, it only hurts me. Well, it doesn't just hurt you, it hurts me. Now you're married, it'll hurt your husband, and it will hurt your father and your mother-in-law, right? Not only do, it doesn't just hurt you, it's, you see how this thing works. Nobody can say, it's my life, leave me alone. It's none of your business. It's just not true. You throw your life away, you're breaking a lot of hearts. Does that make sense? So conversely, mom, dad, if you want to be glad, not sad, you need to invest in your kids. Invest is the first blank. If you want to be glad, if you don't want to be full of heaviness over your child, make sure you train them up in the way that they should go, Proverbs 22, 6. And then if you've done that, but they're still being a nimrod, well, then you're going to pray that they get old because that's the promise. Amen? So that lines out how we would pray for wise versus foolish kids. Some people were just praying to grow up and get old. Number two, verse two, look at the difference between the blessings of hard work versus the loss that comes into the life of the lazy. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivereth from death. So if you're pursuing ill-gotten gain, what the Bible is saying is, Ultimately, your losses are going to outweigh your gains. It's just not worth it. Ask Judas. Judas went after ill-gotten gain. He was a thief. That's all he cared about was the bag. Why? Because he put his hands in the bag. His losses outweighed his gains. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 18. He purchased a field with the reward of iniquity and killed himself. And falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out ill-gotten gain, whatever you get from that, it's not going to be worth it. So the Bible's warning you against wicked profit. Treasures of the wicked, treasures of wickedness profiteth nothing, but righteousness delivereth from death. And that's the second thing. Dishonest dealing can be deadly. Steal your neighbor's wife. Watch what happens. People do not take kindly to being robbed. Robbed is your next blank. And what the Bible's talking about here is physical, not spiritual death. Dishonest dealing can get you killed. You know that, right? So you're going to go into the bank and you're going to get rich quick. And you're going to do it with a nine millimeter. Good luck living through that. Um, the, statistically, your chances of surviving go way down if that's how you're going to get ahead in life. Okay, so righteous living delivers you from death. So this is, again, talking about physical death, but spiritually the same, there's a principle that can apply here. We actually looked at it this last Sunday in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 9. Paul, he, what's, what life does he want to live? He doesn't want his own righteousness that's after the law. He wants the righteousness of Christ. You know, if we're, if we're dealing dishonest and trying to live out righteousness through the flesh, uh, the flesh profiteth nothing. And all you got in the flesh was condemnation because of failing through sin. The wages of sin is what? Oh, it's death. We want the righteousness of Christ. Look at verse 3. Here's a promise. The Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish, but he casteth away the substance of the wicked. So right there, for the believer, we see that the Lord is our guarantor. Uh, he's making a promise here. The Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish. doesn't say he won't let you go hungry. But you shouldn't be brought to the place where you're begging bread. 
You can trust the Lord to supply. I give you some cross-references there. These are not exhaustive. But in the days of famine, God's people are satisfied. The righteous, they don't have to beg bread. Matthew 5, verse 6 says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Um, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then the bread will be added to you. Matthew 6, 33. Amen? All these things shall be added unto you. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now you can, verse 4 warns you that you can short-circuit the Lord's blessing. The Lord is your guarantor, but that doesn't mean you, you, you can position yourself so as not to receive his blessings. Verse 4 says, He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. If you've got a business and you don't work that business, you're going to starve. But if you work that business with some wisdom and you work it hard, you're going to make some money and you're going to do well. But spiritually, let's talk about it from a spiritual perspective. If you're not seeking God first and his righteousness, so look at Matthew 6, 33. What's the promise? Seek ye God first, right? Seek ye the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek God, his kingdom, his righteousness first. And then the promises and all these things, what you need physically. And that's just listed through Matthew chapter 6. All these things shall be added unto you. That's, that's spiritual diligence that God says, right, you get your priorities straight. If your spiritual di- diligence is in place, well, the physical provision that is needed. Not what you want, but what you need. You can trust the Lord for that. Now, physically, okay, so this is really what we're talking about here in verse 4, physical diligence. Paul models this with the Thessalonican church. We looked at this not that many months ago. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 10, Paul commands the church that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Don't call yourself a Bible believer and try to live like a mooch. Don't do that. Get a job, you bum. Trust the Lord for the. That's why we're praying for jobs on Tuesday nights. Especially, you know, this happened to us in 2008. Remember the 2008 financial catastrophe, that crisis? We had so many people lose their jobs, but we prayed, we prayed in faith, and we went out and we looked for jobs and we got good jobs. And in a season where churches were going out of business and everybody was shrinking their budget, the budget at MBT grew because our people prayed and they got full of faith and they went and they, they lost a job, they went and they got a job. And we need to do the same thing today. We need to follow the example of our elder brothers and sisters from 2008, 2009. And in this downturn, don't be satisfied with losing your job. There's still work out there for people that want to work. And again, if you know of job opportunities, make sure that those get posted on the member, the MBT member Facebook page. And then if you're looking for work, look for that. Look for, check with your resources. Get with your headhunter. Find, get, work full-time looking for the full-time job that God has for you. And trust the Lord for a good one. Don't take a job that pulls you out of church on Sunday and out of prayer on Tuesday. Ain't nobody got time for that. Go get a better job than that. But there's plenty of those good jobs for people that are looking to work. Paul says, if you don't work, well, then you must not be that hungry, verse 10. And then he sets the example in verse 11. He says, for we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly. 
working not at all, but are busybodies. So there it is. He's calling them out. Now, them that are such, we command and exhort you by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work. You need to leave other people alone and get to work and eat their own bread. Go get a job. Make your own sandwich. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Does that sound Christian? It's in the Bible, isn't it? <laughs> this is a phrase that's going around a lot. Just because you're offended don't mean you're right. I'll let you work on that one. Verse 5, he that gathereth in summer is a wise son. Here we are. We're back to the wise child. He that gathereth in summer is a, you know, there's a time when it's time to work and work hard. When you've got hay down the field and a rainstorm is coming, you don't wring your hands. You get out there and you get on that tractor and you start baling hay. That's what you do. And then you don't, you don't just run in a circle saying, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? In January, those cows got to eat because if you want to have a steak next year, you're going to make sure they get some hay in January. Does that make sense? You got to hold them over. And so the rain's coming. You don't play. It's time to work. Well, after this show. No, there is no after this show. Right now is your shot to get that hay in the barn so you don't mess up. You go get it done because it's got to get done. He gathers in summer. Why? Because he's wise. That's when it's time to work. But he that sleepeth and harvest is a son that causeth shame. So get this down, moms and dads. Oh, man, we need wisdom from on high. We got to teach our kids to work and to work hard and to be wholehearted in their work, to get that when it's time to work, maybe, maybe they need that little Disney, what is it, uh, whistle, whistle while you work. How's the song go? Somebody whistle it. Ah, somebody's got it. Huh? Yeah, that's, a, that's it. Be happy in their work. I mean, we need, to, we need wisdom to teach our children that it's, it, it's fun to work hard. Notice verse 5, we need to teach our kids to keep a schedule. Chores come first, man. When it's time to work, work. Play comes later. He that gathereth in summer is a wise son. So whatever he's doing, he's got to do it then, so he's got to do it right, right? So we need to teach our kids anything worth doing is worth doing right. When it's summertime, it's time to work. That means we need to teach our kids to be self-starters. You know it's summertime. Go get to work. Why should I be on you all the time about the job that you know you have to do? Is this making sense? So we need to teach them to be self-starters. And if something needs to be done, that they're not waiting on mom and dad, uh, you know, man, I mean, you know that kid that like just stays clueless on purpose. I mean, we need insight <laughs> on how to, well, you didn't tell me to. I shouldn't have to tell you to. You see the job. You see that it needs to get done. Go get on it. Get on it like stink on poop, like white on rice, like a duck on a June bug. Go get on that work because it's there. We need, maybe you won't use those examples with your kids, but you get what I'm talking about. They got to own it because it's there. It needs to get done. God help us to teach our kids. So we need to teach them initiative, and we need to teach them their shame. There's legitimate shame in not doing what's right, not, not doing what's needed at the right time. Why? Because money doesn't grow on trees. It's just not out there. You're not, I mean, you're not going to make it by magic or just, you know, 
George Soros isn't going to bail you out, bro. I mean, that's not going to happen, son. There's not somebody that's just looking to give you money. It doesn't work like that. You're not going to just go out there and find the money that you need to get through life. While you have the ability and the time that it's available to you, go get the job done. Ecclesiastes 9, verse 10 says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. You've only got today to work. Do it with thy might, for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. There's a whole other message in that. You're heading to the grave. You better have something to tide you over those few years where you can't work till we get you in the ground. Everybody needs to be thinking about that. There's a handful of years at the end of your life. Number three, verse six, the just. So, so what's happening now as we go through these things, through these verses, you see that there's prayer requests popping in your mind. Man, I need to pray for my kids. Holy smokes. You know, I try, I, I, you know, in my, in my house, um, I try not to be a slave driver. I try not to, you know, it is interesting, though. Um, honey, um, I'm not throwing you under the bus or anything. I'm just giving a general way that we as parents typically tend to operate. And so I'm not going to say who is who in this scenario. I love you, and when I get home... She's with LaVon, uh, praying with uh, my, my mother-in-law. Okay, so, so what's typical is one parent is instructing the child about how maybe they're missing the mark and what needs to be done in order to hit the mark. Then the other parent is like, yeah, that's right. And then have you noticed in your parenting, the mother-father dynamic dealing with the kids, somebody always piles on? In your house, it may be mom or it may be dad, but one parent is, try to resist that. Try to resist the, the one-two punch with your kids. If mom's dealing with the kids, dad, just stay back, let mom deal with the kids, then you don't want your kids to feel like you're ganging up on them. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? So have some wisdom. If mom's dealing with the kids, dad, don't pile on. Try to resist that. Maybe if there's some counsel that could be given, you're like, uh, oh, you know, hey, uh, but if it comes across like you're ganging up on the kid, that's not, that's not cool. Conference, and then maybe you have your own conference with the child later to fill in the blanks. You know, does that make sense? Just trust the Lord to give you wisdom with that. Uh, I, it, it's very careful. You want to be very careful that your kids don't feel like um, they're the weak animal in the pack and, and the alpha and the beta got them down or just, just tearing the fur off of them. Uh, you want to you, you wanna resist. But you might be looking at this saying, man, I need, I, there's some things that my kids need. And, and, or maybe your kids are grown, and, and now you're saying, Lord, I, I, I got a bum for a child. And, and so can, can I help them? Can I boost them? Let's pray. You know, these prayer lists are coming together for us, verse by verse. Verse 6 and 7, the just versus the wicked. Blessings are upon the head of the just, but violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. The memory of the just is blessed, but the name of the wicked shall rot. Okay, so this is interesting. People who live justly versus wickedly and the blessing versus the rot that comes out of that life. I'll give you just a few examples. You remember Moses' name, don't you? Moses is very famous, but I'll bet you you'll struggle to remember the name of the Pharaoh 
that was his enemy in Egypt. Do you see that? The blessing, his name, the blessed one, his name is remembered. The wicked one, the one who did wickedly, most people can't come up with his name. A clearer, bigger example would be righteous Lazarus. And the Bible doesn't even bother to record the rich man's name. And who was a bigger deal in Israel in that day? Well, the rich man. But we don't know his name. You don't know that wicked rich man's name. But you know Lazarus' name. So the question for you and I tonight is, what about our name? How is our name going to be remembered? Is it going to be remembered because the blessing of God was over a life that was lived with righteousness? Or will the wicked name be blotted out? Will you and your life, will you be remembered for good? Then on top of that, notice in these verses, you get one of two outcomes. Either your sin gets remembered no more, or we get remembered no more. Right? It's that way with salvation. Acts chapter 3, verse 19 says, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, that they might be remembered no more. That's what happens when you get saved. As far as the east is from the west, God cast you, and you're, I mean, you are separated by infinity. Colossians 2 says that Jesus took the wages of the sin that were against you, what you had coming to you, he took it to the cross and killed it, blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Your sins were blotted out at Calvary. Revelation 3, 5 says, He that overcometh. If you're in Christ, you're an overcomer, and you're clothed in white raiment. And he says, I will blot, I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. You want Jesus to remember your name. You don't want him to forget your name. And the hinge for that is your salvation. Will you receive Christ and the finished work of Christ at Calvary? Does that make sense how that works? Either my sins are blotted out or my name is blotted out of the book of life. Well, I don't want my righteousness. I come to Christ, the finished work of Calvary, and I trust in his righteousness. My sins are blotted out, and then Christ confesses my name before the Father. Verses 8 through 10, the upright versus the perverse. Verse 8 says, the wise in heart will receive commandments, but a pratting fool shall fall. We'll talk about pratting in a minute. Have you ever pratted before? Turn to your neighbor and tell them if you've ever pratted before. Some of you are like, uh. We're going to get a vocabulary word tonight. He that walketh uprightly walketh surely. Man, surely, to walk surely. But he that perverteth his ways shall be known. A pratting fool shall fall. The perverted in their ways will be found out. He that winketh with the eye causeth sorrow, but a pratting fool shall fall. There it is again. Don't miss this. This is a big deal. See, the wise grow in wisdom because they're teachable. They want to learn. Those are your next two blanks. The wise store up. The wise in heart, they receive commandments. They store up wisdom because they know it's useful. They want that. They don't want to, they, they want to walk surely. They don't want to be known as a fool or as perverse. And they certainly don't want to fail. The fool prats. Okay, that means, in other words, the way he speaks is vain. It's not with wisdom. It's in vanity. It's empty. It's vacuous. Right? It's empty communication. And that 
leads to his ruin. It ruins him. And verse 9 says that everybody figures him out. And, the, and you guys know how this is. It's like, don't listen to that guy. He's an idiot. Go, you know, whatever it is that you need to know. Don't go to that guy. Go to this guy because he knows what he's talking about. This guy will tell you he knows what he's talking about. If you follow him, it'll destroy you. Don't listen to that idiot. Listen to this guy. He knows what he's talking about. The wise in heart, they're teachable. If you're not teachable, if you already, Jake Sully, can't do it. Uh, what is, I got, you know, I got, I never, I always think I'll remember the line and then I can never do it. When I'm, I'm here in front of you guys, I get the lights are in my eyes, I got stage fright, I can't do it. <laughs> you can't fill a cup that's already full. I, I can't do a Trump accent, I can't do the hot cat model Pandora, you know, the cat monkey models on Pandora. Uh, <laughs> Avatar, Avatar, you. I, We've been through this a few times. You know what I'm talking about. Avatar, hot cat, cat monkey models with the carbon fiber bones. What? They look like cats and they got tails and they swing from the trees. It's just silly stuff. But I mean, man, that's good. That's good drama, right? Jake Sully, you cannot fill a cup that is already full. If you, nobody can teach you anything, you're not wise at heart. Don't you want to learn? Don't you want to know more? Don't you want to know better? Come on. They're like supermodel cat monkeys. Just because that offends you doesn't mean you're right. Okay, so anyway, all right. Verses 11 and 12. Number five, the righteous... I'm, I just offended all the nerds. The righteous versus wicked communication. Righteous... Avatar was beautiful, man. You can't talk about him that way. Didn't James Cameron say he's going to make like eight of those things? You're going to get sick of the model cat monkeys. You're going to get sick of them. Righteous versus wicked communication. The mouth of the righteous man is a well of life, but violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. Hatred stirreth up strifes, but love covereth all sins. So some people, when they speak, it gives life. Other people, when they speak, it just destroys people. It's life-taking. There is a right way to cover up sin. There's a right way to cover up in our communication, and that's with love. The Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It's not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Love covers, James 5.20, love covers a multitude of sins. You can meet a sinner. Now, in, in this day and this age, people are very polarized, more and more so, and there are people driving that polarization and you've got people who literally are atheistic communists who want to overturn our way of life. And any time atheistic communists take over a society, it is always bad for believers. It's always bad for the church. And the church always suffers persecution under these regimes. And yet that's what people are trying to install right now in places like, I mean, they want to start in some cities where they can get away with it, but they want this for the whole nation. And if you meet somebody like that, 
And if it's your goal to destroy them and put them in their place, you'll never win them to Christ. Can I just tell you that? But if you will go, we don't have time. We'll do this some other time. But uh, I want to introduce you to a guy who is winning people from the Ku Klux Klan to Christ. He's black. He's a Christian. And he's winning people to Christ by being their friend. If you meet a Marxist, which you're going to, because they're very active right now, and if your approach to them is to destroy them with your logic and what you know and your, and your communication and you watched all the videos you needed to watch to put a Marxist in their place, you're never going to win that person to Christ. But if you will be their friend and if you will listen to them and be their friend and earn the right for them to listen to you, you're, I, I promise you, MBT will be winning Marxist, atheistic, uh, uh, anarchists, we will win them to Christ. I believe that with all my heart. But our speech to them will either be life-giving or it'll be life-taking. The mouth of a righteous man is a well of life, but violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. Hatred stirreth up strifes. You know, a soft answer. That's how you deal with wrath. But love covereth all sins. Father, I come to you right now and Lord, there's so much that we've got our prayer list for the week. There's so much that we need to pray over right now. And so, God, I'm asking in Jesus' name that, Lord, you would open our eyes, you would open our understanding. Lord, help us to see who we need to pray these scriptures over. And then, Lord, first and foremost, help us to see ourselves and our lives for exactly who we are and what we are and what we need from you. Lord, we want to be wise. So, Lord, help us to receive your commandments. Deliver us from the vanity that we have to have all the answers. We don't want to be pratting fools. Lord, help us to be humble. Lord, I pray that for all of us here at MBT that the cry of our heart would be, I'm not right, you're not right, God's right. And I don't have to have all the answers. Lord, you have all the answers, and you've written them down for us in a book. Lord, we thank you for your word. Help us to be people full of faith who hunger for your word. And then, Lord, for those that don't know what we know, Lord, help us to never despise them, but to run to them and, and with humility and eagerness and with confidence in who you are and what you said. Lord, let the words of our mouth be like one beggar showing another beggar where we found bread. That we wouldn't despise people who don't know right, but we can just share with them what you've shared with us and how it's changed our life. Lord, help us to win souls. Help us to be ambassadors for Christ. Lord, help us to convert sinners from the error of their way, save souls from death, and see a multitude of sin covered at the cross of Calvary by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, use us to win souls and make disciples for your glory. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've got your prayer list from Proverbs chapter 10. That's your prayer homework for the week. Let's stand. Let's worship the Lord as we dismiss. If you need prayer or help or counsel on something particular, uh, grab one of the leaders. We'll pray and counsel with you.